you're listening to Podcast Royal. It's Jessica and Rachel, and we are back for another episode. Rachel, it feels like it's been a little while since we've been on. I know I probably said that last time, but I've been really excited to get back and record with you again. Yes, me too. And I mean, it's only been two weeks, I guess, but it just feels like an extra long two weeks. And this is a very special episode because not many podcasters make it to 100 episodes. And this is our 100th episode. So happy 100th episode to us. Happy centennial. We're turning triple digits as Prince George just turned double digits. So I want to say congratulations to you, Jessica. This is a big milestone. Not again, not every podcast makes it to a hundred episodes. And so we're not going to stick around here for long and, and, focus on this forever in this episode, but I think it's worth mentioning because I'm, I'm proud of this. Well, happy 100 to you as well, Rachel, and I'm excited. And I think we've had a lot of fun the past few years doing this. So, um, many more to come, hopefully. Absolutely. And you know, what's our next milestone, I guess, 125, 150. It's our centennial Jubilee right here on podcast. 200. A million, <laughs> a million. It's, so to get to a hundred episodes, our very first episode was November 14th, 2020. So it took us a solid two and a half years to get to a hundred. So, well, we, we did start the podcast off as a weekly, um, a weekly show. And then at some point we scaled back to every other week because life got busy coming out of the pandemic time. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows, who knows what the future holds? Maybe we'll, you know, we do try to put in some bonus episodes here and there. So, um, we're always open to, to change and, and feedback from listeners. So Mm -hmm. if there's any new segments, listeners want to hear if they want to, you know, us to introduce something different, or they want to hear a different type of format, or, you know, if you like the frequency of the show, or you want to hear more of it, let us know, give us your feedback. And we're always open. Absolutely. And, you know, we've tried different formats in the past. We've had lifestyle segments. We've had guests on the show. Lately, it's just kind of been Jessica and I, because there's just been so much to talk about ever since the coronation. It's just been nonstop. So it's kind of just been the two of us, but listeners always reach out at the end of, of every show. We tell you how to do that, whether it's through DM on Instagram or email. So reach out to us, let us know what you like, let us know what you'd like to see more of, see less of. We really do take that feedback to heart, but I do just, I I really just want to say that this is something that Jessica and I both love, and I'm really happy that we are at a hundred episodes. So go us, go us indeed. Well, shall we get into the Royal Rundown? Let's do it. Okay. Well, there, as ever, is so much to talk about. Every two weeks, we just have a laundry list of things to run down. So let's start here. So King Charles and Queen Camilla's coronation outfits are on display right now at Buckingham Palace from July 14th to September 24th. And the King and Queen themselves went to see the exhibition, which a spokesperson said they enjoyed. Although, of course, not only have they seen the outfits before, they've worn them before. Um, (laughs) A quick note about the King before we get into other matters. New passports featuring the King are being printed, but as any royal follower knows the king himself doesn't need one nor does he need a driver's license as he is the issuer of said items and as was the queen queen elizabeth before him so the passport change 
makes me, of course, think of Her Late Majesty. And news is coming out this week, actually, that there is a national memorial in honor of her being planned, which, of course, thrills me to no end. She deserves every memorial ever. And that more news will come out in September. I'm kind of thinking it will be timed with the first anniversary of her death, which, of course, will be this upcoming September 8th. Can you believe that it has been almost a year since her passing? I don't know where time goes, but... A committee is, yeah, a committee is being formed to handle this. And for the record, the late queen's parents are honored in bronze at on the mall in London. So, any thoughts on that? Of course, the queen is incredibly deserving of a hundred memorials in her honor. But I'm so happy to see that work is underway on this. Yeah, I totally agree. And I do think it will probably be timed around that one year anniversary. And I was just thinking about that recently this last week, actually, I can't believe we're already coming up on September. And and I was wondering um, before this news came out, what we might see this September to mark that one year anniversary is I know so many people will be looking back and remembering her majesty. So this may be it. This may be something that they're they're planning around that time um, as a as a way to honor her memory. And I can't remember how I just said the mall in London, but that's how I meant to say it if I didn't say it it that way. It's not the mall, it's the mall in London. (laughs) So let's go back to the king briefly. So he and the royal family, let me tell you, Jessica, talking about the royal family and their money, not their personal money, but like the firm's money, the the, the money of the business basically, is, is very confusing. And so I'm going to try to make this as, as clear cut as I can, but talking about the sovereign grant and all in the duchy of Cornwall and all of these different things, it's, it's very confusing, but he, the King and the Royal family are getting a pay bump from UK taxpayers. I wonder how UK taxpayers feel about that. They will receive 125 million from the sovereign grant in 2025, which is more than in previous years. So this news was released by the UK Treasury since our last episode, in which it was outlined that the sovereign grant will be cut from 25% to 12% from 2024 to 2025 onwards, which according to the report reflects a significant increase in crown estate profits. This is interesting to me from offshore wind developments. The money will be used to fund vital public services for the benefit of the UK, the report said, and despite the percentage cut, the uptick in profits generated by the Crown Estate means the royal family will actually receive more money because of these, again, offshore wind developments, which allows public funding for the monarchy to bump up 45%. That's so much, starting in 2025, from about £86 million, which translates to $110 million to nearly £125 million, which translate to $160 million beginning in 2025. So I know that listeners, this is very confusing, but we're going to try to break it down as best we can. So the sovereign grant, by the way, is the taxpayer funded settlement given to the royal family for official duties. So much of this increase in profit will help cover the ongoing renovations to Buckingham Palace, which are supposed to be completed, I think, by 2027. And by the way, interestingly enough, the royal family's funding, I think this is so interesting. And whoever enacted this, this, this was enacted in 2011, so it wasn't that long ago, but whoever enacted this is genius. The royal family's funding will never go below 
the year prior because of something called the Golden Ratchet Clause, which ensures that the royal family will never receive less money than the previous year. So I want to say thank you to The Guardian and People Magazine for your help on explaining this. So any thoughts on this and the offshore wind developments? I mean, it's the UK taxpayers will be paying more to the royal family. They will be getting a significant bump in pay. And I, I wonder if you have any thoughts on this. It's very confusing to talk about the royal family's money, but any thoughts? Well, I will be the first to admit that I am not well-versed in UK government funding or royal finances. It does make sense to me that higher profits from the Crown Estate would result in additional funding for the royals. And, you know, to think that that money is going to go toward paying for maintaining, you know, beautiful properties like Buckingham Palace, that sounds like good news. Um, You know, the palaces used widely for business purposes. They host heads of state from around the world. They're employing members of the public who work for the crown. They also draw in tons of tourists each year, which in turn boosts the economy. So, um, you know, I think all of that makes sense to me. And I'm sure there's a lot of underlying details there that I am not familiar with. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that the Golden Racket Clause was only implemented in 2011. It To me, that seems like something that would have been in place for decades, but mm-hmm. it's actually relatively new. So, you know, I, I suppose once their funding starts to cost a certain amount every year, sort of gets difficult to cut back on that, you know, like various program costs or other expenses, you know, they sort of anticipate a certain amount every year. And I wonder if there are any stipulations with that clause or if it can ever be repealed for any reason, um, or if it's a hard, you know, they will never get less than a certain amount. And I haven't done a lot of research into that, but I would be really interested to learn that. Absolutely. And, you know, we could literally do an entire like 10 part series on the royal family and money, but it is so complicated that we're just going to leave that there for right now. And I am sitting here thinking about Buckingham Palace and the renovations and how they're supposed to be done um, by 2027, which is four years from now. Of course, that will fly by because four years ago was 2019, which doesn't seem very long at all. And as we all know, the king and queen still reside in Clarence House, which is where they've lived for, I think, the majority of their marriage. Um, I know Charles at one point lived in St. James Palace, but they've lived in Clarence House forever. They like it there. And they, of course, use Buckingham Palace for official duties. For They have an office there. They host receptions there, as you just said. But they don't live there as her late majesty once did before she moved out to Windsor in the pandemic. I wonder if Charles and Camilla will ever live in Buckingham Palace or if they will just stay in Clarence House forever. And, you know, their their rationale right now is because it's undergoing massive renovations. But I wonder if they'll ever live there. I don't know. I don't know if well, you have any thoughts on that. I don't think they have a desire to live there full time. I mean, you know, the royals have multiple homes, so I'm sure they'll have a place there where they'll stay on occasion, but I don't know that they'll ever make it their official residence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, but even if they do call it their official residence, I imagine they'll still spend quite a bit of time at some of their other homes that they really enjoy. It's just so strange, isn't it, to think that the king and queen are living at Clarence House and Buckingham Palace is not far away. And then, of course, William and Kate and the kids are living at Adelaide Cottage and Windsor Castle is also vacant and that's not very far away. It just seems very weird that though that Windsor and Buckingham Palace are 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 vacant essentially right now. That's just 
strange to think and speaking of the whales so prince george has been the man or the boy i suppose of the month he turned 10 on july 22nd there was a new portrait released of him sitting on steps and looking so grown and so much like his father prince william did at the same age i don't even have to ask you this but did you see the portrait and and i do want to ask you this what did you think Yeah, I mean, who did not see the portrait? I thought it was a great photo. It was taken by Millie Pilkington, who's behind a lot of the official Wales family photos we've seen this year. And to me, you said he looks grown up. He looks like he's ready to go off to Eton. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I thought it was a great photo. Yeah, and of course, that won't be for another three years. But I just, it took my breath away when I saw the photo at how grown he looks. I mean, he's only 10 years old, but he looks, he, he looks like a young man now. He doesn't look like a boy at all. And just for the record, this is not the first portrait of George on steps. If you remember avid royal followers, there was one of him on steps, albeit different steps, back in November 2014 to mark the holidays when he was about a year and a half old. As you just said, his 10-year-old portrait was taken by Millie Pilkington earlier in July in Windsor. She seems to be the whale's new favorite. She shot the Father's Day photo with Prince William and the kids. She shot Louis's birthday portrait, Charlotte's birthday portrait. So I wanna I wanna ask this because Kate used to be the one that shot all of the birthday portraits and um and even some of the Father's Day portrait, other portraits as well. But she she hasn't been doing that for most of 2023 and really kind of since she became Princess of Wales. So what do you think about Kate no longer taking the portraits? I always thought that was such a sweet detail. Um, And you could always tell that the kids smiled so brightly because their mom was behind the camera. But I didn't know if you had any thoughts on this. Well, I mean, I think this tells us a couple of things. One they're clearly really comfortable working with some photographers that they trust and they seem like they want to support their work and spotlight their talent. So I think that's really great mm-hmm. Two, I think this tells us Catherine is in a really busy season in life right now. The kids are getting older. They're probably in tons of activities and she's working. She's got a lot of priorities right now. And so I think she just recognizes too, that as the kids get older, they're going to have to learn to work with professionals in some capacity. And she may be stepping back to sort of let them, um, you know, bring some other photographers in while she focuses on some other activities that are maybe more important in this season. Mm -hmm. And then three, I still think that she's taking family photos on their private holidays and, you know, the ones that they want to keep personal to their family. And so I don't think she's totally abandoned her photography, but um, I I think she's probably bringing in professionals for more of the public facing ones and sticking to the private ones, at at least right now. So um, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything, anything more to that. What do you think? Yeah, I I don't I think she's probably busier than ever. I mean, I've reported on that that she is busier than ever as Princess of Wales. You know, she's raising three kids who, as you said, are involved in activities other than Millie Pilkington. Um, they also the Wales is also used Matt Porteous a lot. Um, it's just you know I don't know I I'm sure again that she's taking as you said photos behind the scenes. It's just I always loved that detail that that Kate took the photos and um, but I think that you kind of brought up a point that I had not thought of. And that is that they're going to have to get used, meaning the three kids going to have to get used to having someone other than their mom doing this stuff. 
And so slowly integrating that in and having them get comfortable with someone other than Kate behind the camera, that's probably actually really strategic. The, the more I learned about Kate, the more I realized that there is so much method to all of the madness with her. There's no stone left unturned. It's uh, strategic is a word that has such a negative connotation. And I don't mean it that way, but she, she, everything is very well thought out and planned, especially when it comes to the kids. And so I think that there is definitely a reason behind that, having the kids get comfortable with people behind the camera that are not her. But I have to say, I do kind of miss that tradition. Of course. Yeah, I, I do as well. And I hope we'll see some more of that in the future. Yeah, yeah. But while we're talking photo ops and the Wales family, Prince William has some big photo ops coming up soon. So it hasn't even been a year since Prince William was in the U.S. And he is scheduled to be back again in September. I know you're excited about this, Rachel. Yes, yes. So I was going to use this opportunity to tell our listeners to go follow us on the new Threads app because we shared this news over there when we first found out about it and we had been posting some stuff over there, but uh, Threads already seems like it maybe passed its prime. I don't know if you've been on there, Rachel, but I think all of the creators have kind of collectively agreed we're over it at this point. <laughs> I don't even um, think but- I have threads. So I deleted back in May, I deleted all of my social media off of my phone, just kind of did a little bit of a cleanse and that includes Instagram and or threads or whatever we're calling it. Now I know Twitter is now as of this week called X, I guess. Um, I cannot, I cannot keep up, but I don't, I honestly don't know a thing about threads and I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I well, think all of this is a passing fad and it's changing so much that, you know, blink and it'll be gone. Probably. I don't know. Threads is Instagram's version of Twitter. And I mm-hmm. think at this point, all of the big owners of social media platforms are kind of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. So far, Instagram seems to be standing the test of time. So we'll keep hanging out over there. But let's get back to the Prince of Wales. So Earthshot is what is bringing him to the U.S. And I find it so interesting because this is also what brought him over here last year. Mm -hmm. So the event he's coming for is the second annual Earthshot Prize Innovation Summit. And it is jointly hosted by Earthshot Prize and Bloomberg Philanthropies. William was actually supposed to come to the Innovation Summit last September. Of course, we all know in September, that's when his grandmother, the Queen, passed. And so he had to cancel that trip. But this year, the summit will be in New York City during New York Climate Week. And they will announce the 15 finalists for the Earthshot Prize for 2023. So as a quick reminder to listeners, the 2023 awards ceremony will be November 7th in Singapore. And that's where they'll announce winners across the five categories of the Earthshot Prize. If you don't know what those are, the five categories are to protect and restore nature, clean our air, revive our oceans, build a waste-free world, and fix our climate. So as far as the summit goes, Prince William will be in New York City for just two days. So it'll be a pretty quick trip. And I have to ask you, Rachel, do you think Catherine will join him for this? You know, I always hope that she does, but I read an article, where was, I think it was the Daily Mail this past week that 
William's confidence is soaring and he is doing more solo engagements and solo work. And, you know, we talked about that after the Caribbean tour, which was kind of a disaster in the spring of 2022, how the whales or they were the Cambridges at the time, but now they're the whales is we're going to start doing, instead of doing these long, I think the Caribbean tour was eight days. Instead of doing these long joint tours, they would do um, shorter tours solo. And so I, I think this probably, if I were a betting woman, I would say that William will do this alone. Although I bet everybody in New York city wishes that Kate would show up as well. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I do think he'll do this one alone. I also think his confidence is soaring lately. I think we can see that. Um, Although I don't think that's really the reason why Catherine won't be there. I really think this is just more of probably a, hey, I'll be there for two days. We have three children at home and we're both busy and working and, you know, and and she'll be there in Singapore, I'm sure. So yeah, she'll um, definitely be there in Singapore, but the kids go back to school at Lambrook on September 6th, I think. And so they will be back in school. So Kate will probably be doing the school run and probably won't be able to come. And it's such a short trip that she will probably stay behind. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be what happens, but we'll see. And I do also want to mention one more detail about Earthshot. So the award ceremony in November actually overlaps with the state opening of parliament. So William will have to miss King Charles first King speech as monarch, but here's to hoping that there will be many more of King Charles speaking at state opening of parliament in the future. So he'll get to see those. Um, but yeah, that'll be going on at the same time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. William and Kate are as busy as they've ever been. I keep, and and I think that things are going to slow down because they're about to go on summer holiday. They always do this in August. And I think that everybody's going to take a much needed break, including probably us at some point in August. But William and Kate have just been going 90 to nothing since the coronation. And speaking of William, he, as if he doesn't have enough going on, he has a new patronage at St. Mary's Hospital in London, which is actually the same hospital where all three of his kids were born as well as he was born there and Harry was as well. So all made their debut, of course, at the famous Lindo wing of the hospital. You can see Diana holding her babies and Kate holding her babies on those famous steps. But at St. Mary's Hospital, William is helping launch the Fleming Center, which will tackle antimicrobial resistance, which is I'll be honest with you, something I was not familiar with until today in this patronage being announced. So William wrote on social media about this and why it is important to him. He wrote over 1 million people a year die as a result of antimicrobial resistance. The Fleming Center will drive a global movement to tackle it. And then he continued proud to become patron of the appeal to create this vital center, which will educate, inspire, and catalyze action to solve this problem. See, that's the thing about being a royal reporter. You learn things that you never would have learned from statistics about homelessness to antimicrobial resistance. I had no idea what that was, but I mean, 
again, I just feel as though both of them, William and Kate, are really stepping into work that really matters to them. You can tell, you can just feel their passion for everything that they're doing. And um, I just... I just enjoy the work that they're doing so much, whether it's about antimicrobial resistance, which I just can't stop saying that I'm impressed that I can pronounce the word antimicrobial and not mess that up. And I've said it three times, but, um, on a little bit lighter subject, since our last episode, Wimbledon has concluded, I think in our last episode, Kate had made her first of three appearances at Wimbledon. Since then, we've seen two more appearances from Kate. She wore a different shade of green each time she wore, of course, the mint green blazer, Balmain blazer for which, by the way, was the first time she'd ever worn that line, which is such a celebrity favorite that that was shocking. Um, but she wore mint green for her first appearance, then lime green. I think that look was um, self-portrait. And I think it looked like a tennis ball. I like I liked that color for her second appearance for the women's singles final. And then the emerald green Roland Murray, I think, for her final appearance for the men's singles final. So William, George, and Charlotte joined her for the latter appearance, marking Charlotte's big Wimbledon debut so interesting Mm -hmm. fact children under 12 are not supposed to be in the royal box as George and Charlotte were of course but of course it is the royal box so exceptions are of course made for royal children so I mean I'm sure that you saw these photos first of all Charlotte is a full mood in those sunglasses with her hand, with her hands behind her head, just leaning back. The kids, George and Charlotte, were so excited about the about the match game, whatever it is. I I know a little bit about tennis, not enough probably, but um, just they stole the show as ever, especially Charlotte. So how adorable were George and Charlotte reacting to the match? And Charlotte and her sunglasses, just everything about the kids. Well, it was really fun seeing the kids there and having a really great time. And I think the Waleses have done a wonderful job bringing their kids along with them to some really fun events this year. And I think it's great how they are introducing them to working royal life, but you know, in a way that feels more like a treat than work. I think they've done a great job balancing that. And Charlotte's sunglasses were cute, but I also have to mention some sunglasses Catherine had on one day. I found myself Googling them. I'm sure you saw her in the stands with her sunglasses on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they just looked very classic princess style sunglasses. And um, hers were actually, for listeners who want to know, they were Victoria Beckham and they retail for around 300 US dollars. Um, but I, I do have to have to say while we're talking the green dresses as well. Um, I loved the, the green tennis ball dress. I thought it was mm-hmm. perfect. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think that that was a two piece look, but it looked very much like a one piece look. Okay. I'm not mistaken. I thought it was a one piece look that looked like a two piece look. I don't know. I need to go back and look at it, but I want, okay. Rank. We're going to, we're going to talk about the, the green theme in just a second, but I want you to rank order those three dresses in, in order of your preference. So, um, do you do it by, do it by the color? So mint green, lime green. Oh, by the color. Yeah. Um, well, well, by sorry, you can rank it by the color, but rank it for your favorite look. Well, my favorite look was the self-portrait dress. And I am pretty sure that that was a dress made to look like a, a skirt. Okay. I'll take your word for it. 
that was my favorite. Um, I think next I'm going to have to go with the mint green blazer and then the emerald green dress. So what about you? So I'm going to shake it up from what you just said. And my favorite was the emerald green dress. And then, and I liked them all. Like I really liked the self-portrait dress and I especially liked the color because it I very much looked like it, the color of a tennis ball, which was of course appropriate for where she was. But I would have to say the emerald green, the mint green, the lime green would be my, but they were all great. And again, we're going to talk in just a moment about um, why green, but let's go back to Charlotte and Charlotte's dress. So Charlotte's dress, by the way, was made by a Spanish designer, which leads me to believe that she was secretly or not so secretly cheering for Carlos Alcaraz to win, which of course he ultimately did. So, um, Charlotte, Charlotte was adorable. I think Charlotte has a crush on, on Alcaraz, which I don't blame her for at all, but she got so shy when she met him again, it looked like she has a little bit of a crush on him. She also had a fantastic Charlotte had a fantastic interaction with King Philippe of Spain, who is on hand to support Alcaraz, who is Spanish. Um, by the way, inside baseball here, the Wales kids, nanny, Maria Barallo is from Spain. So it kind of all adds up. She was wearing, see the Royals aren't so George, George accidentally let slip last year. Cause last year was George's Wimbledon debut. He let slip last year who he was cheering for Royals are supposed to remain neutral, like Switzerland on things like that. So Charlotte didn't outright say who she was cheering for but I think that the fact maybe I'm reading too much into this but the fact that her dress is by a Spanish designer she interacted with King Philippe there her (laughs) nanny is from Spain she has a crush on Alcaraz I mean I don't know that she has a crush on him but she certainly she certainly seemed as though she did I think it all adds up and but that is just my two cents and nobody was asking for it but Louis was not there he was apparently upset to not be in attendance um but for the women's singles final Kate wore a subtle sartorial tribute to Louis I don't know if anybody else caught this but with the self-portrait dress, the earrings she chose with that tennis ball green look were the same earrings that she wore to Louis's christening back in 2018. So he was there in spirit, even though he wasn't there. Can you even imagine Louis at Wimbledon? Oh my God. Like I, I cannot wait for the day that that happens. I mean, George made his Wimbledon debut. He was, I guess, eight, almost nine last year. And then Charlotte is eight. So we probably have a couple more years until it's Louis's turn, but let's go back to Kate wearing all green for Wimbledon. So she's certainly worn green to Wimbledon before, but never only green or for that matter, only one color. Like she's never just worn all blue or all pink or all green. So last year, Kate wore two versions of blue polka dots. One was kind of a Navy polka dot and the other one was kind of, I don't even know how, like more powder blue. I'm so glad that polka dots, like we, like polka dots are kind of like dipping their toe back in. Y'all know how I feel about polka dots, but thank God we didn't see any polka dots this year. But so again, last year, Kate wore two versions of blue polka dots. She wore yellow. That, that look was gorgeous with the, I'm sure you can picture it with that straw hat. She's worn pink, but this year she wore only green. So a lot of people have been asking why. Well, first of all, as we know, because she let this slip at a royal engagement, Kate's favorite color is green. And green, along with purple, is one of Wimbledon's official colors. So that is my best guess. And um, so we've we've talked about what which look was your favorite. But let's talk about the color for a second. So what shade of green was your favorite? 
I mean, you know, if I was dressing myself, I really don't think that the tennis ball green would be all that flattering, but on her, it's still my favorite. I mm-hmm. thought, I thought it looked great, especially because it's summer right now and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of got that, you know, summer glow and Kate looks like she's been out maybe playing tennis herself a little and getting a little sun. And I think that color works really well with, um, you know, her brown hair and, and her summer complexion. So I don't know how she is able to look so good in every color. I would look terrible in that lime green. I would, for myself, I would definitely gravitate more towards the um, emerald green, but I do own a couple things that are mint green and I, I don't mind the way that that looks on me, but the lime green would never work for me. Well, okay. So I have to say, I love how she selects her outfits for the events that she attends. And I know she has help, but I really do think her own preferences drive a lot of the decisions being made around her fashion. Like, you know, choosing to wear green at Wimbledon, I thought was just really clever and fun. Um, But we have talked in the past earlier this year and last year about the Royals really being on a blue kick. We saw them wear lots of blue and I think you're right. I think Catherine is loving green right now. And, you know, we saw her in green at last year's Earthshot Prize Awards. We saw her, of course, in green at Trooping the Color this year, now at Wimbledon. So I'm wondering, and this is just me making stuff up, I'm wondering if the Willses are trying to align with their environmental efforts and they kind of want to like, you know, lean into that a little bit right now. Maybe they're letting the king and queen take on the blue color since blue is a very royal color. And then they're going to stick with, you know, some shades of green for the environment. Obviously, I have no idea. I'm just having fun with this. But I did like the tennis ball green look back to that again. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was gorgeous. And uh, it just, I mean, she just looked like a royal in that outfit with that and the sunglasses. And it was such a fun event to watch with the kids there as well. So all around, um, I've really enjoyed talking fashion so far with you this episode. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I Kate always nails it at Wimbledon. And I always love, I just love now that the kids are old enough to come. It's just so much fun to watch them and their interactions. So A plus on Wimbledon this year. Okay, let's jump over to the Wales's cousins and talk a little bit about P- Princess Beatrice. So I want to start off saying congratulations to Princess Beatrice and Edo on their third wedding anniversary. And I know you're taking a little break from social media, Rachel, so you might have missed this, but Edo shared some photos and a really sweet message on Instagram to Beatrice. He said, happy wedding anniversary to the most beautiful wife in the world. I am so grateful for every moment we have shared, every challenge we have overcome, and every dream we have pursued together. I love you more than words can say, and I can't wait to celebrate many more anniversaries with you. Come on, Edo making every man out there look bad. (laughs) I was going to say, I think it's safe to say Edo is a hardcore romantic. He's a man (laughs) after my own heart. I love it. I I pulled our Instagram followers to ask who remembered Edo and Beatrice's micro wedding back in 2020. And I think about seven to eight percent of respondents did not remember. So I was really surprised by that. I thought it was going to be 100 percent remembered. Um, So that tells me we probably have a few new followers and new listeners who are just starting to learn a little bit more about the royal family. So welcome. Welcome over. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to this crazy train that we're on. So while we're talking their micro wedding, I'll, I'll say, so 
they were married in summer of 2020 for those of you who don't remember. And of course that was right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. You know, a lot of the world was shut down at that time. And rather than going with a traditional, more extravagant Royal wedding, they got married at Royal Chapel of All Saints in Windsor. They only had 20 guests. Beatrice actually wore a gown that belonged to her grandmother, Queen Elizabeth. So beautiful. Her Mm -hmm. grandmother originally wore it in 1962. Um, It was designed by Norman Hartnell, and it was refitted later for Beatrice by Angela Kelly and Stuart Parvin. Another really special touch is she wore the Queen Mary diamond fringe tiara, which was also worn by Queen Elizabeth on her wedding day. So um, really fun details there. I loved their wedding. They had some beautiful photos. Oh, yeah. um, Edo on Instagram shared um, another photo that we had not seen before of Princess Beatrice holding her wedding bouquet. And you can see her little diamond wedding band there. And I mean, I think one thing that we can say we've learned is Edo is a romantic and mm-hmm. Beatrice is definitely sentimental. So happy anniversary to the lovebirds. Yes, I have three points to make about Beatrice's wedding. So number one, her wedding was supposed to be, I think it was May 29th, 2020. Obviously that didn't happen because of the pandemic. Number two, the um, Queen Mary Diamond Fringe Tiara, which as you just said, Queen Elizabeth wore on her wedding day was held back specially for Beatrice. So I always thought that detail was incredibly touching. And number three, uh, Beatrice's mom, Sarah Ferguson, said something on Instagram or social media, I can't remember if it's Twitter, Instagram, or X and threads or whatever the heck they're called these days. But um, she said that she, that Beatrice got her fairy tale. And I just love the way that she phrased that because I'm such a romantic at heart too. But yes, happy anniversary. How was that three years ago? That's just so much has happened. I could just see that picture of um, everyone's socially distancing in this photo and the queen and Prince Philip and Beatrice and Edo and and now two of those people are are gone and so it's just time time waits for no one I suppose but let's talk about the Wales Five again which is what I'm starting to call them so they stepped out Mm -hmm. at the Royal International Air Tattoo which is in case you did not know this the world's largest military air show so it poured rain that day George and Louis stepped out in their raincoats and that leads me to another story News came out since our last episode that George, unlike royal heirs before him, will not be required to serve in the military before becoming king. He might choose to serve, but he won't be compelled to, as William and Harry, for that matter, Charles and Queen Elizabeth were. So he also might be allowed to have a completely different career outside of the royal sphere before he becomes king. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this. Yeah, this is kind of a tough one. Um, It's something that we haven't really, I feel like, explored, at least not on our podcast before. So to me, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really seem fair to tell a child that their job will be monarch someday, whether they like it or not. But I also understand the idea that military training and service can be extremely beneficial for a future monarch. So you know, it's like, what what's the way to go? On one hand, if George wanted to go off and be maybe a doctor or a web designer for a little while, you know, then you wonder how then could he come back and serve as king if he misses out on all these years that go into working as a royal and, and training for that role. And then on the other hand, you think, well, 
if you go and work outside of being a royal for a period of time as a young professional, that could be really grounding and give you a really interesting perspective as king. So Mm -hmm. this kind of opens the door for a lot of conversation and a lot of thoughts on what really is the right way to go. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, because as we all know, William and Kate are obsessed with giving their children as normal of a childhood as is possible for you know, three children, especially George, in the positions that they're in. Um, The decision about the military is getting a lot of pushback and a lot of blowback because when he is king, George will be head of the armed forces one day. And if, if he does not get that experience of serving in the military, that might be a negative for him, some say making it more difficult to relate to those he leads. This is not the same thing, but um, most U.S. presidents served in the military, not all of them, but, you know, U.S. presidents are, of course, commander-in-chief of the armed forces, and um, I think it does help them relate more to that part of their job if they've served. But, um, again, it will be very interesting to see what happens in the next 10, 15 years with George. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, it seems to me like a lot more consideration needs to go into such a big decision like that. And I think it brings into question the whole idea of slimming down the monarchy and how does that affect the impact the royals have when senior royals are, you know, stepping outside of their working royal role and and going into other capacities. Um, If the goal is to modernize, then maybe there is a day when we have a future king who can work outside of this traditional role and then still come back and serve the country, maybe in sort of a community service type of capacity. But maybe maybe he doesn't act as head of the armed forces. You know, I don't know. I think this just opens the door for a lot of conversation and I think it could go in a lot of different directions. I think it'll be a really important decision for the future of the monarchy. But I also would not be surprised at all if George chooses to follow in his father's footsteps either way, mm-hmm. because he just really strikes me as someone who is very um, traditional and and really sees the importance of of service and, and working in that role. Well, and not only that, but he's always seemed very interested in aviation and planes and helicopters. And that was even on display at the air tattoo last week. And this, by the way, was not George's first trip to the air tattoo. I Again, we're hearkening back to a lot of photos from the past with George in this episode. But do you remember those adorable photos of a tiny George? He's wearing headphones, mm-hmm. huge headphones, like that look gigantic on his little body with his parents looking at airplanes when he was so tiny that was actually at the royal international air tattoo in 2016 i believe so george would have been i guess almost three um but anyway the family of fives visit this year was apparently a surprise and all three kids are finally on summer break from lambrook and as i said earlier in the episode they're off until september 6th Well, I also want to mention, since it's summer break, many of our listeners may be traveling to the UK and planning some royal activities, but if you don't have plans to travel and you still want to enjoy some fun royal content, the Royal Collection Trust has introduced a new mascot. So, and actually, I think he's new. I I just noticed him. I'm not... I don't know if we've seen him in the past, but I just came across him on Instagram. So he is a guards bear named Birdie. And according to their Instagram, yes, according to their Instagram page, he'll be exploring Buckingham Palace and sharing highlights this summer. So 
Birdie is a stuffed teddy bear. He's dressed in a guard uniform. He's got the little red coat and black hat. And it looks like we're going to see him pop up in photos around the palace on Instagram. He'll share some fun facts about the royals. So, you know, if you want to follow along with Birdie, you can check that out. The first photo that they shared was of the chairs of a state in the throne room that were used during the coronation. Um, and if you do want to follow along, it's at Royal Collection Trust on Instagram. And also, for those of you who are going to actually be heading over to the UK on vacation this summer, if you make it to Buckingham Palace in person, you can purchase a souvenir birdie teddy bear from the Palace gift shop. It's £19.95. I do think it's also available to order online if you just want a little teddy bear, but the website description says that he's inspired by the iconic household troops who have been guarding the sovereign since 16. 60. And fun fact, he's made of all recycled materials, which I thought was very on brand for the king. That is very on brand for the king. And Birdie, <laughs> Birdie is the cutest little, of course, that harkens back to the nickname of Queen Elizabeth's father, King George VI. I love that. And uh, speaking of sweet stories, I had not heard about Birdie, and that probably is because I'm not really on social media right now. But um, Jessica, I don't know if you saw this sweet story, but one of King Charles' guards is garnering praise right now for a kind gesture he showed towards a man with Down syndrome recently. So this is such a feel-good story. I love this story. So a young man whose name is Ibrahim and his friend Mike came to take a photo at Horse Guards Parade in London. And as, as the two posed for a photo, an unnamed member of the Household Cavalry's Blues and Royals Regiment took a surprise step towards them to make for a better photo. Of course, typically the guards do not interact with, with people. Um, video footage of the guards' sweet gesture has been viewed over 5 million times on TikTok. So I, I really love stories like this. Yes, I had not heard this news until I saw you mention it in our notes. And I think I made it 5 million and one views. <laughs> I went and watched the video and it was really touching. Listeners, you can go out there and you can just Google. I think I Googled like the Kingsguard, um, you know, I, I can't remember, maybe Kingsguard you know, Down syndrome gesture or something mm -hmm. and, and the video popped right up for me. But um, that was, yeah, that was really touching. Yeah, it was, it, I love a good feel good story like that. Well, I am going to round out the Royal Rundown with one more story that I had to put in here. So speaking of the King, he actually visited Lincolnshire on Monday and Rachel, I think I have discovered why I love good food so much. So you may remember my mom and mom's family is from Lincolnshire. And you mm -hmm. might also remember that Princess Anne visited Washingborough Academy in Lincolnshire last month for Healthy Eating Week. And that's the school that's really focused on teaching kids about healthy foods. So they talk about where it comes from. They have an herb wheel, fruit cages, and chickens on the campus. Okay, so Charles has now paid a visit to Lincolnshire where he spent some time at Lincolnshire Poacher Cheese Farm. So it's pretty clear to me that the people of this region appreciate good food, and that must be where my love of good food comes from. Um, so I had to I had to share this story. So 
a little about his visit. His Majesty met some of the staff who works on the farm. Um, and one of the, the people he met there was Simon Jones, who was actually the person that originally brought the idea of making cheese on the farm. Um, he introduced that here. And while he was there, the king was able to view the milling process. He visited the cheese store. They also shared with him the history of the farm. And they served him some Earl Grey tea with honey that is local from Louth. And I had to call that out as well because my great-grandmother lived in Louth for many years. I have been there and it is a lovely place. And Simon James also said the king was very interested in learning about where the cheese goes how it's stored, and how the farm is employing people in a rural part of the country. And I thought this was really fun. So the farm has a robot on site that they've <laughs> named Florence the Machine. And King Charles was able to meet the robot. And the robot's job is to turn the truckles of cheese. So <laughs> this little field trip seems like the perfect outing for his majesty something that he would really enjoy it was a nice day in the countryside with some local cheese and honey and a cup of tea so i i just had to pop that one in there because it made I me had really not happy. heard about this i love that <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our Royal Rundown. And we don't have a listener question today, but we do have a story from Royals around the world. So we'll go ahead and hop over there. One of our lovely royal couples is celebrating a jubilee year. So King Philippe and Queen Mathilde of Belgium are celebrating 10 years on the throne. And as part of the big year, they recently released some new royal portraits, and our social media followers saw some of them. I posted on our Instagram and again on our Threads feed when I was trying to keep that alive. Um, but the pictures were absolutely stunning. So the portraits were taken at the Palace of Laken in Brussels, which is gorgeous, by the way. If you have not seen the photos, you can see a little bit of the palace in the background. And Queen Mathilde, who is 50 wore a fuchsia-colored Armani gown with Belgium's Order of Leopold, and she had on diamond earrings and the Nine Provinces tiara. And King Philippe was in military uniform with his order sash, and I just cannot get over the Queen's gown that and tiara. That is a gorgeous gown. I mean, this go down is one of my favorites, Rachel. Um, yeah. So, listeners, if you haven't seen the photo, it has a sweetheart neckline with a sheer long sleeves part, and and it's like a pleated skirt, and it is so beautiful, and the color just looks great. Um. They did a second set of more casual photos, and in that one, she's in a white Natan dress, and I don't know if I'm saying that designer's name right, but it's a knee-length, three-quarter-length sleeve dress. It's got a ruffle on the shoulder, and in that photo, the king is in a navy suit and a light blue tie, and to me, that photo gave very, like, president, first lady vibes. They looked really mm -hmm. great, but it was much less opulent and more uh, maybe diplomatic or uh, felt more political. I love the first set of the formal photos with that fuchsia gown, but a little backstory on this couple. So King Philippe is 63. Queen Matilda is 50. Like I said, they were married in 1999 and ascended to the throne in 2013 following the death of King Philippe's father, King Albert. So the couple has four children. Princess Elizabeth, Prince Gabriel, Prince Emmanuel, and Princess Eleanor. So a little about that family. We've talked about them briefly before, but I thought I'd share a little more detail there. And and yeah, I think we both love that photo. 
I cannot get over. I first of all, a minute ago I said I love that drown. Of course, I meant I love that gown. That is a dress a gown. Gor- a drown. <laughs> that is a gorgeous <laughs> dress, and I never gravitate towards the color purple. But that is a stunning dress. I love how she matches with her husband. That is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it it does look like what you would imagine a royal portrait should look like. Absolutely. And by the way, I want to throw this in here really quickly. We want to congratulate Queen Margrethe. I I never can say her name correctly. I hope I didn't botch it. Um, Of Denmark, she just made history as that country's longest reigning monarch. So she is currently, of course, now that Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth has passed away, Europe's only ruling female monarch. She surpassed King Christian IV, who ruled from 1596 to 1648. And he took the throne when he was barely 11 years old. And so um, I want to congratulate her on this major milestone and we love to see a reigning female monarch and she's the only one Europe has at the moment that's not that that will change as as you all know we have quite a few I think from the Netherlands and um and and uh, Sweden and other places that are kind of waiting in the wings they're the heirs to the throne but at the moment she is the only um reigning female monarch in Europe and she has a big milestone so congratulations to her Congratulations. And with that, I think we are ready to wrap up this episode. So as a 100th celebration present for us, I'm going to ask our listeners to please go out there and leave us a five-star rating and a review, but I want to make this one fun. I've seen some other podcasts out there in in different areas of podcasting do this, and I love it. So, um, okay, when you go leave us a review... Give us, tell us your favorite royal, but do so only using emojis so we can make a fun game out of it and we can guess what your favorite royal is. And I really hope our listeners play along with this because I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yes, please do, because we are really looking forward to trying (laughs) to decode that. And that's a great, you know, we we're pretty modest over here. We don't like to puff ourselves up and say it's our 100th episode, but it is it is something to be proud of. And so please, yes, go on Apple Podcasts, wherever you review podcasts and uh, play along with us. Let's have a little bit of fun and be sure to come hang with us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. If you have questions or thoughts to share, you can always DM us on Instagram or you can send us an email at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. We made it to 100. Centennial. I am raising my glass of water to us right now. And (laughs) thank you, Jessica. And thank all of you listeners for helping us make it just such a fun journey to get to 100. So thank you all for tuning in to our 100th episode of Podcast Royal. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more royal news you need to know. Happy 100 and thank you listeners. Bye.